What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Real Talks podcast. My name is Mike Singletary. And I am Frank Chen, and we are going to be your hosts. And what we're going to do is break down what it takes to live life on your terms through entrepreneurship, specifically real estate investing. So we're going to hit it hard, the good, the bad, and the real, because that climb, as any entrepreneur knows, is never smooth. So let's get real. So Paul is obviously a copywriter. He's a copywriter, uh, info publisher, a real estate investor, and a note investor. Formerly, he was a copywriter for Ryan Dossey and Ballpoint Marketing. And he's currently the founder of reiomnidrip.com. Um, you've been an investor since 2015. Talk, tell me about your story, buddy. Yeah, it's a long story, but I mean, back in okay. 2015, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. You know, like everybody else, you know, boring story, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, and kind of dived in. I, I reread that book. I, re I read the the Cashflow Quadrant, by the way. And it's, you know, it, this is like a tip for you, for your audience, whoever's listening. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's important to like reread things, books, newsletters, whatever. Reread them, pick them up at a different season in your life. Because, man, I picked up Cashflow Quadrant, which is simple. You know, I, I've read it in the past, back in 2015 or whatever. Um, different seasons of your life, different things hit you differently, right? You, yeah. you, you the, what you're in right now, it's going to, you're going to have different ideas. Um, and reread Cashflow Quadrant and just like, like, and it's, I hate to use cliche, but it really did blow my mind, even though I've already read it. I'm like, there's, I, I realize the mistakes I'm making, the mistakes I've made, the mistakes I'm going to make in the future if I don't change. What did you, what was the aha moment now? Yeah. The aha like moment now was I, never realized that I'm operating continuously operating in a self-employment quadrant. Right. So if anybody's familiar with the whole cash flow quadrant, you know, I've, I've, I've been operating in a self-employment quadrant mindset and all for a long time. I mean, I've had quote businesses, but, and I called them businesses. They weren't really in, I was still self-employed, meaning I had to, I, I've never built them to be, Hey, I can step out of it. And my future goals have always been, I never realized and my future goals have always been revolved around me inside of those businesses. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's a simple concept. Everybody, you know, I was, you know, rolling their eyes. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we all hear about it in real estate and big, bigger pockets and all that. But, but when you actually, you know, it, it's one thing to intellectually know, read it, know it, understand it. Another thing to like actually see the, see your fault in it and see that you're, yeah, you're making those mistakes that you intellectually know you shouldn't make, right? So a lot of times we're so close into something, we're so close to something that we cannot see our faults, our blind spot, you know, or I don't know if you've ever read Principles of Ray Dalio, but he talks about that quite a bit on blind spots. And, you know, you could, you could easily, at the beginning stage of every business, you're always an operator, right? You got to wear a lot of hats and then scaling to bring in other people in. That's always sometimes that's a challenge for some, maybe others not. It sounds like that was a challenge or that is a challenge for you. And, you know, bringing that up, it's that's, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but um, it's okay. yeah, but uh, that that is as, you know, I'm a copywriter and at heart direct response copywriter and um, you know, building also businesses with that. And, and um, I, I used to hear about, business owners hiring out their copywriters when they're copywriters themselves. And, you know, Patrick Riddle was, was on our event and he, he's a great copywriter, but he hires that out for his business because we get too close to our, in, in our world, too close to our, to our business, too close to our product or service or clients too close to it. We can't see um, 
you can't have an outside perspective of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, even today as a copywriter, I'm now hiring copywriters for my business when it's something, it's my super quote, superpower. I hate using yeah. that word, but it's quote no, my superpower. Everybody has one. Right. And, but I mean, it's still, it's, it's realizing, okay, where do I have to put my place in right now? Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm hiring cop copywriters to do things for me. It's a, yeah. it's always a hard shift going from, because uh, I, I haven't been an entrepreneur my whole life. I, I was a late entrepreneur, late bloomer. So only in, you know, maybe 28, 29 years old, that's when I started getting into, into real estate. And uh, so before then I, uh, I was a welder. Um, really? uh, yeah, I was a pipeline welder. Oh. I, I was, wow. a, yeah. Uh, for, for uh, utility for gas utility. And um, so I was, and I was a crew foreman. So I, I was, I mean, blue collar. I mean, I'm in coveralls or jumping into holes, muddy holes. So that, that's been, that was my job for a long time. Uh, uh, excavator, I, I operated a, you know, backhoe. And um, so, yeah, I mean, fun job and all, but, um, and I got out for different reasons, but, you know, going, you know, let's tie it back into the cash flow quadrant thing. Um, the two different brains of being a business owner and being an investor, two completely different brains from where I operated from. So, in, back in 2015, when I started, yeah, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, dove into the rabbit, uh, rabbit holes of, uh, of bigger pockets and all those, all those forms at the time. REI Club, I think, was was a popular. I mean, it's growing today, but um, back then it was also popular. It was. Uh, I know Tim. I know Tim Randall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so dove into those and and didn't know a thing, and um, I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I did what everybody uh, says to do which is do direct at the time was, you know, send yellow letters. Yellow letters was popular back then. Uh, send yellow letters and pull a list of a thousand people per month. And I was in Southern California at the time. It's a very tough market in its own way. Um, you know, it, it, it's an expensive market and something for like, if, I don't know what kind of audience you have. If you're brand new. They're all over. Some things I've learned today is really, uh, you know, the, a lot of people may ask, oh, does direct mail work? Does radio work? And it's so just a matter of how much it's going to cost you. And direct mail is going to cost different. And I know this because I'm in, in the print world. I mean, I've been, I, I've worked at, as a copywriter for, um, for a print shop. So uh, for a mail shop. And, you know, uh, you hear about guys in the Midwest acquiring a deal through direct mail for only, 2,500 bucks, right? 2,500 bucks, $3,000. They, they send some mail, they get a deal. Um, other places on the West coast, on the East coast, South Florida, those costs are three, four times as much, uh, not maybe not four times, but twice as much, three times as much. Um, but the, the, and it may sound like, Oh, that's, that's a deal breaker. But the upside to that is you should, you should be getting uh, the same equivalent of an ROI, right? right? If it's not, there's something, there's you're a problem trouble. in your, in your whole operating. Yeah. You're in, there's a, it's not a marketing problem. It's a business problem at that point. Right. Um, so, uh, so with that, uh, spent a lot of money back then in 2015, um, talking to a lot of sellers, had CRMs. I had, I had a CRM, I had drip sequences. And I, I think we brought, you brought me on here to talk about drip and follow up. So I, I'll tie into mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, a big problem I had back then is, um, yeah, I didn't understand anything about sales, marketing, etc. Um, but my follow-up and, and everybody knows, you know, follow-up, everybody hears the mantra, but nobody does it is, you know, the money's in the follow-up. Um, 
my follow-up back then is I get these leads and I would go to, um, I lived in a small house with, with kids. I mean, I still have kids. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Um, so I had to leave. I had, so I, I, uh, and I was doing copywriting at the same time. I'll tie this into how I got into copywriting. Yeah. Um, I drive, go to a local Starbucks and sit in my parking lot. I'd have my list in my CRM of all the people I need to follow up with. And I'd go down the list and it, I'd see, okay, here's Miss seller. Um, you know, I'd, and I, and my feelings would start kicking in. My rationalization would start kicking in where I say, Oh, Miss seller. I, I talked to her last week. I don't want to bug her too much. I'm going to move on to the next person. Uh, Mr. Mr. John Doe here, you know, I, I feel mm. like he's not motivated. So I'm going to, I'm going to follow up him next week. Uh, my whole follow-up system was based off of feelings rather than like a systematic process, right? That whole, um, you know, learned a lot from those mistakes of spending a lot of money. And that is a lesson of itself is it's kind of when you're brand new, it's kind of dangerous to have a lot of money because when you don't know what you're doing, right, you can just. Yeah, you can go through right. it pretty quickly, man. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you probably yeah. lost out on a bunch of deals because you weren't aggressive enough uh, on your follow-up. Absolutely. I was not aggressive. I wasn't. Um, so, and that's something that I do today is I build follow up for people. Um, yeah. And, and something that I've learned from marketing, from copywriting, uh, the, like copywriting, copywriting 101 principles is that um, we're not like, if you have a goal in mind, like meaning like, like take a house sale for uh, acquisitions, uh, for example, you have your seller that comes in, raises their hand, they want your cash offer. And then the end goal is obviously the deal. But in between, you have all these little sales you have to make, all these little hurdles you have to make before you get there. Um, I think we think too, too much about like, is this person a motivated seller or not? Is this person a seller? When in reality, what we should be asking ourselves is, or, or the, the goal should be, Let's get them into an appointment first like that. Right. Like, like stop trying to assume whether or not this person's we, we can't control somebody saying yes or no. We can't control them doing a deal with us. That, that is out of our control. But the only thing we can't control is what we say and what we ask. The very first if they get into our system and they haven't made an appointment, that's our first ask. That's our first sale we have to make is we need to get, on, get them on an appointment. Right. And if they're not, that's that's your follow up. That's that's your follow up bucket for that person is let's get them into an appointment. Right. Um, let's get them into an offer. That's your next sale. If they've if you've been, if, if you give them a contract, but they haven't heard back, that's another sale. You have to touch base again. Right. So you have all these little mini sales to make before you can actually get to the deal close. We, we, we think way too ahead of it. Um, we should be thinking about all these little small nuances in, in, in our process. I think you're absolutely right because, you know, we're very heavy in telecommunication. So our, our follow-up is, is actually calling or texting, right? Uh, during that sales process and what you're saying is that you're trying to get these small incremental wins that moves them along the sales process. Yep. It's, it's, it's just a funnel. That's really all yeah. it is. It's, it's, and you have these different phases broken up. That, that's how I funk. I mean, I, I've, I've been in e-commerce. I've been uh, in coaching. Uh, I've, I've been in, in, in into the processes that uh, their sales process, marketing process. And it all looks the same. Uh, in, in real estate, it all looks the same, meaning you have these processes and phases in place. And we should be moving prospects along that those those phases. Right. What have you found to be the most tactical and efficient way to move them from one phase to the next? I have this whole like, like, um, so I, 
I've broke I've broken this down to three different like strategies. So so we don't like get too crazy here. I, I break it down to three different strategies. So first is um, making making your sequences or your drips or you want or buckets, whatever you want to call them, um, making them into. And what I mean by follow up, I mean somebody who's raised their hand and said yes, I'd like you know I'm I'm interested in what you have to offer. Okay, I'm not talking mm -hmm. about cold marketing right now. Um, that's a whole nother animal, but, and I don't, something I don't specialize in. So I'm not going to pretend to say I know how to do cold marketing or lead generation. I've just, I've always been a conversion specialist for the last five years. First thing is, um, I, I break down, uh, for, for real estate investors, we break down everything into event-based sequences or buckets or drips, whatever you want to call them. Okay. Event-based sequences. And I don't do situational stuff. I don't do, except for one occasion of foreclosure, um, but I, uh, I, I don't do situational stuff because, um, well, for one, it can turn into a big rat's nest of things. Mm -hmm. um, and two, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to like if, if I have somebody who's a divorce, uh, divorce lead, uh, bankruptcy lead, I'm not going to bring that stuff up into a text message, right? That's hey, the worst thing you can do. Hey, <laughs> yeah. As, as, first, they feel like you're being they're being stalked. That's one. Right. right? Yeah, so, they're defensive right away. Which is right. totally counterproductive, uh, right? So. Right. So I, I, the solutions that we bring to the table um, is going to be beneficial to um, somebody who's in divorce, somebody mm -hmm. who's going through tax default, foreclosure, whatever it is. The solutions are going to be the same. Um, I what I do what I do do in in the in the realm of segmenting. That's segmenting, right? If you're breaking into situations, that's segmenting. What I do segment is actually lead type based off of three things, either it's vacant house, um, landlord or owner occupant. So um, there's some of my sequences, like, so I have a, 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 we set up a no, no appointment, no offer made sequence for investors. Um, that one I do break up into three segments, uh, vacant, um, owner occupant and landlord. And the reason why I do that is because the, their problems are very different from each other. And this, and so I can leverage that in in I can talk about the solutions specific to that problem, right? So a landlord, it, you know, if if the investor, if our client buys with um, tenants in the house, um, we I leverage that and I bring up, hey, just a reminder, we can buy with with, with your tenants in the house, right? Because that's the problem they're facing. That's the biggest problem they're facing. The biggest problem they're facing is it's hard it's hard to sell with a house with tenants. Um, in place, right? Yeah. So I'm going to leverage that problem. Um, so you're leading with a problem first, typically, right? On, on your sequences. And then you're kind of crafting it. Help me understand how, you know, how you craft that. So that, that is like, that's like the bird's eye view of the right. sequences, right? And I haven't gotten into the tactical, like, what do I say? Um, so that that is one of the points, one of the three points. And I'll, I'll get to that. Mm -hmm. um, let me just cover the the, the, sure, the sure. bird's Sorry, eye. I get ahead of myself sometimes. Get excited. Oh yeah. So let's go. So this is the bird's eye view of it. And um, so the vacant house person, I can leverage the the biggest problems, which is house is deteriorating. It's a liability. Um, squatters uh, can't get a loan on it, etc. Those are the problems I can leverage now. Um, th this the other component to that is the other component to this whole follow-up sequence my whole follow-up philosophy is uh leveraging um credibility and and trust so or increasing trust with credibility so what i mean by that is um a lot of investors they 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 just want to focus in on um 
on getting a response, getting a response. That's like the whole, for me, I, I look at a much and a bigger branding effect of what follow-up does. Um, and it's that a goal of a, a specific message, email or text or, or, or voicemail or call, it might be just to get them to our website to view our testimonials. It might be for social proof. Like, like early on, I might be loading up on a sequence. I might be loading up some social proof. I might be loading up, getting them to our article or getting to our, to our website to read an article about fixing the house because because um, they express to us that they're that they're going to be fixing the house instead. Right. That that's one of my sequences. Actually, it's it's offer too low, fixing the house themselves. Um, that's that's a, a specific sequence when they call us and let us know, Hey, your offer's too low. I'm just going to fix the house myself. It's an objection sequence. We can plug them in that leverages that whole, that whole problem. They're going to fix the house themselves. So I can, I can funnel over value via, via articles. Yeah. I can, uh, I can, uh, funnel over value just via little tips in my te in the text message. Um, all with the hopes that, Hey, we're an authority figure. We're raising up credibility. We're raising up trust with them. Right. So that is, so I'm not just thinking about trust or I'm sorry, I'm not just thinking about response with, with a follow-up. I'm thinking about building the, I, I'm having a branding effect with the whole thing because, uh, if I send somebody a text, okay, it's, uh, you know, we think narrowly, it's like getting the response, but it's, that's only one touch. If I send an, if I send a text, that's only one touch, but if I get them to, to click over, like I'm selling, I'm selling the click. That's a common marketing term is sell the click. If my goal for this text message is to sell the click, um, and they run over to an on to, to website, to article, to about page, whatever it is I'm trying to sell, that's now two touches. And, and if you're very advanced and you got, it's not very advanced, it's actually really simple to set up, but if you got retargeting in place with that, now you're setting up multiple touches after that. Now, now they're in this whole universe of ours. So it's not, I'm so it's right. much more than just like a one narrow straight streak of, Hey, getting a response to get response. You need to build credibility and trust first before you can actually get a response. Right. So, um, so that's, that's one of the components of, like follow marketing in general and what we do on the convert on the back end of things of conversion. If I'm setting up, um, if I'm setting up mar marketing campaigns for, um, for leads for other industries, I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to get people to move over to different channels. Uh, if they're social media, if it's, if it's starting from social media, I'm moving them over to email. I'm moving them over to, to articles. Um, I might be moving them over to direct mail if they, if they have that component as well. You know, there's always several rule of thought, uh, um, I guess, thought processes when it comes to uh, copy and sending out copy. Um, some think you should always have a call to action to every copy, directing them somewhere. Is that, is that your belief as well? Or do your jump just keep just information and yeah. building brand trust and stuff like that? No, it's a really good question. And I think that, um, yeah, rules of thumb are good. Um, and, and then, but then there's also the context of things. So mm. um yeah, I, I mean, as a direct response marketer and copywriter, there, yeah, you have there's this rule, this non-said rule that um, yeah, there's a call to action for everything. Um, but when I designed these drips, uh, probably only eighty to ninety percent of them have call to actions. So there are there are some that are just um, just nurture. It's really, right. there's only a few of them, but they're, they, they are out there. Um, there's, I, I have some that are, this is more tactical on the copy side of things, but 
I have some uh, typo correction messages as well. So that is uh, like, so these are automated, right? I'm, and I'm not 100% automation guy, by the way. Like none of these sequences are 100% automated. I still believe in a, in a human component, uh, in, in the manual component in all these. Um, they're, they're automated in the sense that, you know, if you have a CRM capability to do it, they're sending out messages, they're sending out text messages and emails. But there is a message I send out in, in a lot of the sequences where I deliberately put like a, a really bad typo into the message. Um, and then right after that, it'll send a correction, you know, like a little star, you know, hey, I'm sorry, I meant this. Um, that's really just meant to show that we're, it's a personal a person. Statute. Yeah, person right. thumbing, thumbing this right now. I mean, it's a tactic. Is the tactic going to work for everybody? Not every, no, not everybody. But but for the majority of people, it's going to send a, a sense of hey, there's actually an actual person behind all these marketing messages, right? So not everything has a call to action. Um, some are just nurture. Some are just like this tact, these tactics of uh, of of a typo message. Um, so it just depends on the context of what we're talking about, what sequence it is. What is the most common mistakes that you see people making when they're writing their own copy um, for their website or emails or whatever the case is? The biggest, I think the, the a big mistake I see is um, people writing too professionally. And I, mm -hmm. so uh, they're not writing, you know, there's, this is like copy copy 101 and um it's right like you talk you hear this quite a bit from like the old school guys like gary halbert you know we talked about eugene schwartz breakthrough advertising it's like a common thing is like write like you talk because um you you're trying to be at their at their level you're not trying yeah. to write like you're like they're getting a letter from from the government or they're getting a, a letter from the hr department right so um so yeah that that's that's something that I, I i try to utilize as much as i can for our for our drip sequences for our investors. And, um, and that's a mistake I see commonly is, is people email, emailing back. And it just sounds like, you know, you're, you know, you're talking to a lawyer, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, authentic. what's that? It's not it's authentic. Right. It's not authentic. It's right. too mechanical. Um, using words they don't use in yeah. regular language. Right. So. And on top of it, also meeting them where they are in the journey too, right? That's another big one when it comes to copy. And I think that's kind of you touch upon that because some people just goes way beyond and way ahead. I know I've done that plenty of times where I feel as if they are here, but they're really here, right? And I'm not nurturing through that that process. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, I mean, that is, that's a principle I utilize in follow-up. But before I get into that, um, yeah, it, it, from if I'm understanding it correctly, it's a, in a simple email exchange. Um, yeah, we tend to say a little too much when we're not there yet, right? Like, like, or we're not even part. Like, if you're having a negotiation with somebody through email, you have to think about what's the next. And this is this is a copy principle as well. If you're having a communication or a call with somebody, um, and you end the call, and it's and and it's like, well. What happens next with every call that has like a purpose, whether it be a JV call with somebody, whether it be um, partnership, whatever it is that um, even, even if it's a friendship call, right? Like what's what's going to be the next thing? If it's, if it's sim simply friends, it's like, well, if, you know, if we're going to connect again, let's connect again in, in a month. You know, let's set that on the calendar. Um, if this is a partnership and we have an idea, I, I was just on a call earlier about a, an idea. And it was an idea thrown around. We could throw ideas all, all, all day long, but it's like, okay, what's the next thing? Is this, is this going to be a real thing? And 
the the call to action, the, the next thing was going to be, well, you, how about how about we follow up with this in two weeks? We sit on this idea and see if it's for us, right? What's going to be the instructions next? And that's always been like copy 101 type of technique is is making sure you have clear instructions on what the person's supposed to do next, uh, right? So um, e- even in my in follow up, um, you know, I I in, in I try to in all of them, I, uh, I try to keep te- text messages a little shorter than usual, even like so that I try to cram it the content together. It's nothing, uh, nothing worse than a long text. Right. So I try to cut words out. They don't need to be there. It might not yeah. sound, might, it's not grammarly prop. It's not proper. Right. But it doesn't matter. It reads the same way you're reading. It, it's like, well, you can cut out this word and here and you can cut out this word with, and I, I'm just you throwing in abbreviations. You're throwing in a little bit of slang as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I can throw out the comma. I can throw out the, the, um, the punctuation. I can do all that to make it look real. Like, mm-hmm. like when we text, we don't really, um, I know that there's autocorrects and stuff like that, but with, with Android, sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't have the autocorrect. So I, I throw out the punctuation sometimes, mm. uh, makes it look a little more real and legit, you know? Um, how about so, emojis and stuff? Do you, do you include those or no? I, I don't include it with us just because every CRM is different and every CRM mm. doesn't have the capability for it. Um, you know, there's data out that you're going to hear data from emojis are giving me X percent and other people saying differently. So with data like that, context is important. So it's, sure. you know, where, where, who are they sending to? What's the product they're selling? What's the service they're selling? Um, has a, I mean, it's hard. Like for me, it's hard to believe that just as putting a simple emoji is going to increase your response to like, as a copywriter, like what's the me- selling mechanism there that actually increases the response. But I don't know, I could be wrong, but, um, but I don't think it's a, it's a big, huge, like, turning point for us to add it in it's just more of a hassle for us because then we have to work with the crms to figure because we 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 install into every crm like our, whatever client we have and whatever crm they have we um we install it into their crm and um yeah so you do a, a complete a to z integration uh follow-up sequence integration is that is yeah that right. yeah absolutely so yeah we go from like so when a client orders, they um, will go through like a kind of a, a questionnaire where we ask them some specific business um, process questions, like if they're 100% virtual, uh, if they're local, if um, if they buy with tenants in the house, you know, if they, all these little minutiae that have to do with the copy on the back end. Um, so we can make sure we have the right messages for them. Uh, we get all the URLs, we get their social media. If they have social media, we get their testimonials. Um, we, we dig through any, any, their best testimonials and reviews. We plug that into emails. Um, and then we install it for them inside of their CRM. So it's ready to go. And we give them instructions on exactly how to use this. So I'm, I'm, we're delivering the process of, of the whole mechanism of follow-up. It's not just, here's your drip, you know, and that's, that's a, I think that's a big problem with having just a drip. Like, so I'll dive into some people's accounts where they have maybe um, one drip and it's for like no response. All right. So going back to what we said earlier, having a call to action and all that. Well, if I have one drip, that's just for that, you know, just for people who haven't responded. Explain what a drip is, because most people are going to know, but just, just. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, like on your CRM, you can you uh, a lot of CRMs already have some in place, but they might have uh, a, a drip, which is, means that um, like it sends out automated um, text messages, emails, uh, tasks, notifications. Right. Also, so like if, if you, how it's usually u- utilized is. 
you know, oh, a seller has been has ghosted us. Let's toss them in or, you know, it's just a click of a button. Usually um, let's toss them into our no response drip sequence or work. There's a bunch of different names. Drip is just one of them, but workflow, yeah. automation, whatever it is, buckets. Um, but um, the problem with having just a no response drip sequence is that you have people uh, that um, that haven't received an offer yet. You have people that uh, haven't been on an appointment yet that received an offer, but said no. Um, people that have ghosts. So going back to like that call to action, it's like, well, where are they at in the process? Like, how am I supposed to be targeted on what I need to ask next? Next, if it's just a whole mix of people in that one, uh, that one drip, right? That's why I have no appointment, no offer sequence because I know, okay, well, they haven't made an, we haven't made an offer yet. So that's my first sale I have to make is I got to get them over at least to try our, our offer in order to try, try our offer. They have to get on an appointment with us. Right. So that's, you know, so when they're in that sequence, we know that the targeted message is, Hey, at least try our offer. So, yeah, I mean, that's um, important. I mean, I, I don't know how, I guess, I'll, especially the new people, they don't quite understand because you're just trying to get low hanging fruit. People that are just going to raise their hand right away. And they just put, just like you said, put in these no response uh, uh, drip sequences, but to really think it out and draw it out and write it out, all that stuff. I mean, it takes unbelievable amount of time and, and talent. It takes talent, right? So you're really solving a pretty big problem here. Yeah. New investors. Um, yeah. A lot of people are focused on the lead gen, lead gen, lead gen. And yeah, you know, that's true to a point, but then um, my problem was that it wasn't lead gen. Cause I, I spent a lot of money on direct mail when I first started out um, my problem was the conversion on the back end. That, that's where, like, I went to the rabbit hole of of copy. Um, I realized I had a problem, so I like just stumbled across different books. Um, and then I, and then I, on accident, I I stumbled across being a copywriter for Investor Care at that time, um, just by accident. It was sure, like, I wasn't really trying. They they sent out an email to their whole member. I was a carrot member, and right. I said, sure, what the heck not, and tried it out, and actually liked it, and learn more and more and expanded on it. Got some freelance clients here and there. Now, now copywriting is my full time. Plus with Omnidrip, plus uh, copywriting is my active income. I have passive income from notes that I've generated from flipping land and mobile. Like we kind of skipped the whole, my whole story, my whole uh, story of a couple uh, of things, because I, I think I just rushed into uh, uh, your, your product. Cause I'm, I'm so interested in it. Yeah. I'll try to, cause I know we only have an hour, so I'll try to keep it short, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, at the time that I was struggling, I also became a copywriter professionally, getting actually getting paid to doing, doing stuff for clients. I didn't know what I was really doing at the time. Apology for people who, who were my clients back in 2016. <laughs> but I was, you know, I, you know, you learn by doing. So um, I'm, I'm just diving into that rabbit hole of it. But at the same time, I'm also juggling. I was selling, I was doing Lonnie deals at that time. Uh, Dude, it was low, it was, land, by the way, I love land. You love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, mobile homes was kind of my first pivot though because it was low yeah. hanging fruit and it and i was doing lonnie deals which i don't know if anybody's familiar with lonnie deal that's where you find uh, and it's not technically real estate but i mean at the end of the day it gives you cash flow um it's uh where you find these mobile home parks where you don't you don't you don't own the land you just you just own the 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 trailer okay and, uh you, you buy your lease on the land yeah. Yeah. Well, you yeah. buy the trailer and then, um, and then you sell it on, on a note, you sell it on mm -hmm. owner finance. And so you, you no longer become the owner of that trailer. You're the, you're the lien holder now. Yeah. So, um, 
I acquired some some notes through there, and those those are um, it, was, it was the reason why I pivoted there is for one, I was looking for cash flow, and two, it was just low hanging fruit. Nobody nobody was diving into it because hey, um, it's it's mobile homes. It's not yeah. you know well, uh, they are now. Well, yeah, now it's getting popular, right? Yeah. So, um, but people were afraid of it. It's like, oh, it's not single family. Nobody's doing this, so I'm not going to do it. Well, I, I I dove into it. I was like, you know, I uh, and and it worked the first time. Well, not the first time. I lost money a couple of times, but um, not, not because not because it's mobile homes. I lost money because of not comping things right. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where you lose the money. Usually, estimation not, and not estimating it right, not analyzing it right. It wasn't clicking that well for me i wasn't enjoying it um i hated going out and viewing a project i mean there, there's ways around it there's always you can you can no, i fear the same with you i mean I, I just pivoted to completely land uh about okay. two months ago and it's just because we bought a lot of houses but about things i just never enjoyed the process you know what i mean dealing with contractors and all this other stuff and then stumbling upon land is so much easier as far as like the, the transactions and the process of it you know so yeah. i could talk about that for hours but that's not about that's not what's important uh one of the things that we do like to do on this show is that it's called real talks and we have a segment called uh Storm, pardon the French. But what it really is, is that I do believe in the entrepreneur's hero's journey in that, you know, every one of us had to jump off a cliff and, and kind of built the wings on the way down. And we have every single person I've known that ever done anything has messed up dramatically in one way or another. And somehow uh, either, you know, found their greatest lesson in it. What would that story be for you? Um, I don't think I had like like dramatic shitstorm type of story where like, you know, I'm going bankrupt. I'm living in a car or anything like right. that. It could be a series of them, man. Right. Right. It, it, you know, it, um, you know, I, I, I guess I, the only thing is, is just the losing money part. Right. So, um, you know, I've, I, I've lost money in a couple ways. One, like I, I've explained to you how I put a lot of money in direct mail, not having, not knowing what the hell I'm doing and not having the process in place and just kind of yeah. just jumping into something. Um, if I were to look back, I would say that I, I would have rather spent that money. Like I, it was, and I'm going to say it was twenty, thirty thousand dollars that spent in direct mail with no results in my first six, eight months. All right. Um, I would say I would rather spend that money on a coach and I'm not like, I'm not a coach at all. It's like, I'm, this might sound like it's biased. So I'm not a coach by any means. Um, but I do believe in it, uh, that mm -hmm. it is a quick way to 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 really cut that learning curve it is going to be it's for people who are brand new who it it's i think 80 percent of entrepreneurship is is mindset and that sounds really woo woo and it sounds like you probably hear it on youtube oh, all the time 100%. but it, it's it's not it's not the next ninja tactic it's not the right. next ninja trick it's really not um you you can you can be an entrepreneur and have great success opening up a laundromat, right? So it's not it's not the product or the service or the thing. But I you know I, I dove out of it because uh, I just didn't really um, I didn't enjoy the rehab process, right? So it's not it's not the product or the service or the thing. Um, it's it, uh, grit and tenacity. More yeah, and, right. It's it's your it's your emotional intelligence. It's your in, mm -hmm. uh, interpersonal intelligence, meaning yourself. What are you telling yourself? There's, you could be, have two, two of the same characters and, um, and uh, one of them has uh, this, this self-talk of stopping before. Re I mean, you can, you hear this stuff all the time on YouTube, but I, you know, after being through 
through it, doing the mud, um, having, having failing products, having um, failing services, shifting from one industry to the next. Um, I think that's, that's it right there. It's, it's more about, um, it's really about the mentality that you have here for yourself. So um, for, for, for new investors, I would say having somebody there that can guide you because you don't know what to expect. Right. So when I, a lot of people that start, like I see this uh, when I'm, when I'm managing emails for, for uh, a direct mail shop. Right. So um, I, I manage their email marketing. I see the emails come through and I, I see people who want to order and they might be like in South Florida and they're like, I want to order a thousand mail, mail pieces. And they do that. They go through that and then they blame the direct mail company for not having any deals when they're they're What you think you should do like as for success in whatever field you're doing, you got to multiply that by three, four, five times the, 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 effort, uh, the effort that it really takes. Yeah. And that sounds discouraging for some, because they might, you know, you might go knock on the door because because doing something new is is a lot of hard work. So you decide, OK, I'm going to go door knock. And I, I did door knocking for foreclosures for a long time and probate. And, you know, it's like, well, I think I'll go door knock five doors this this weekend um, when in reality it takes like hundreds of doors. Yeah. So, you know, you can go ahead and, and, and door knock five doors a week, but understand that's going to you're not going to really see results until months months later um so I, I think you nailed it though i think that people underestimate the amount of effort it takes to be successful the amount of effort your marketing campaign takes to be successful like singing a thousand mail pieces really not going to do anything right i mean you like we used to send twenty five thousand out a month i know that sounds small to some and large to others but it's a volume game and more importantly it's a consistency game Right. And I think that's where people really, really mess up. They underestimate the, um, the effort. If they don't have the money, they got to put up 10 times the effort or the money piece where, you know, because I, you know, you, you buy houses with no money down, but it, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to go into this without any, any uh, cash. And I think that you nailed it too. If you did yeah. have a little bit of cash, partner with somebody or right. you have a deal, partner with somebody. Absolutely. Or find ways to generate money. So like I, I'm, I'm doing this right now. I have a new, I have another business venture um, and, it, and it's, and it's a blog I've started with a partner of mine and, um, and we, I don't want to operate in it. I don't, I don't want to do the writing. So I'm trying to figure out ways and that that's where it's actually a, a beneficial when you don't have money because mm-hmm. then you have to manufacture because money is just another, it's just a resource, tool. right? To, it's just a tool. Like, so swap out money with some other, some other thing you can barter your, your time, your skill set, whatever it is, whatever you have. There's a great book. It, it's, it, it's higher level and you'd have to like dig. There's not, it's not like a, this is how to do X, Y, Z, but it's um, by Jay Abraham. It's um, getting, getting everything you want out of everything you have. I think it is. But if you type in Jay Abraham, you're going to see a title, everything you, you want out of everything you have or something like that. Mm, But it's, it's basically manufacturing these things out of thin air um, by it's not a money problem. It's, 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 you know, if you're brand new in this business, you have nothing at all. You have no money. Um, you need to start building up resources other than your money for, for one, your, your skill sets and your knowledge set. And then two, the people around you, right. Your, your, I mean, that sounds like another cliche and I hate using it because everybody talks about it in, in, um, 
because they're tried and true. I mean, right. you your know? network, your network is your net worth, right? All, I don't all believe those- that one as much. That's one that I don't know if I 100% believe. I mean, I do believe in a certain aspect that who you hang out with eventually that's the level that you right? Uh, well, so I do believe that. I think that's the premise of it to a certain degree. I'm, I'm referring, I, when I think of it, I think about opportunities. So just for yeah. like a lot of times, you know, see, there's um there's a great book uh, psycho cybernetics if anybody has trouble oh, I love trouble. that book yeah so he talks yeah. about Maxwell Maltz uh, he talks about how um you know your your goal you know you have your goal that's you know uh, ten years from now whatever it is it's never a straight line and a missile and if you think about a missile a missile is never a straight line either a missile mm-hmm. veers off and goes in, in and then you have you either have the software in place or you have uh, somebody behind it that's veering it back into course. And I, you know, I could think about like going back 2015 to today. I would never think I'm I, I got to this point in my life because you know you think you, you think you have your plan and you think it's a straight line. It's never a straight line. You you have these all these different opportunities that veer you off course. And it's not a bad way. It's actually probably the course you should be going. But but when I say, you know, network and net worth, whatever that, you know, I hate using those cliches, but the, the, what how I how I see it is the opportunities that open up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And, and you just never know what person just today. Just today, I had a opportunity that opened up for me um, just from asking a question to somebody that I was on another webinar with. Um, he hosted a webinar with me got on the phone afterwards and um, I just asked a question about feedback for, for my, for my product, for my service. And he's a guy I respect and a guy I was friends with a long, for a long time. And then it opened up an opportunity for a, a, for a joint venture that I would never have happened if I, one, didn't reach out to him and ask um, to get on his, to get on his webinar. Uh, and two, uh, I didn't ask about, you know, my uh, feedback for this. Right. So um, yeah, I mean uh, that, it's all about the opportunities that come your way. So I agree, my friend. I mean, awesome. Awesome talk. So Paul, you know, how they find, how can they find you? Uh, yeah. I mean, if anybody's interested in follow-up, improving their follow-up, they can just go to reiomnidrip.com, Omnidrip, and uh, just sign up there. They'll get some samples, uh, demo of my whole, my whole service, my whole, what I ought, like how we implement follow-up. You'll get that whole demo in there some samples in there and then just follow me um, in my email, email newsletter. So that's awesome. I think I'm signing up. I don't know if I already signed up, but I will sign up for sure, man. Cause uh, we're going to talk about that uh, off camera where uh, I look forward to being your client. So I appreciate you coming on, man. That was awesome. And uh, peace out, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya. All right. Bye. So that's a wrap. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you received value from this episode. If so, please share this podcast with your friends so we can help more people just like you. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, IG, and YouTube at Real Talks. That's R-E-I-L Talks. So until next time, keep it cool and keep it real.